0: Welcome to High Performance Mindset with Dr. Sindra Kampoff. Do you want to reach your full potential? Live a life of passion. Go after your dreams. Each week we bring you strategies and interviews to help you ignite your mindset. Let's bring on Sindra.
1: Welcome to the High Performance Mindset podcast. This is your host, Sindra Kampoff. And thank you so much for joining me here today. I'm grateful that you're here ready to listen to an interview with Kevin King. Kevin King is the owner of Premier Team Building Solutions. He's also a leadership development consultant and senior lecturer at the University of Wisconsin-La Crosse. Now in this interview, we talk a a lot about his different experiences helping teams um, and organizations build culture, leadership, and trust. He's had over 20 years of experience in athletic administration and public relations and higher education. And including 11 years in public relations with the Detroit Lions, the Minnesota Vikings, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and the Chicago White Sox. So I think you're going to enjoy this interview with Kevin. There's a few things that really stood out to me about the interview. Um, One of the things I'd encourage you to listen for is what he describes as three levels of trust. And he talks about what they could mean for you. He also talks about what great leaders do and that they're always constantly learning and growing as a leader. And he provides you some tips on how to how to grow your leadership. And then um, towards the end, we talk about building culture and specifically how he uses physics to inform how to build culture, which is a pretty fascinating discussion. And uh, uh, the last thing I'd encourage you to listen for is we talk a little bit about control the controllables and how that's an intentional process. And I liked the way that he described it, um, mostly because a, a lot of my clients and the teams and organizations I work with get stuck in focusing on things they can't control. So I think you're gonna enjoy this discussion. Um, if you enjoyed it, there's two things that I would encourage you to do head over to iTunes and you can le- leave us a, a rating, um, as well as a comment there on iTunes. If you just search for high performance mindset, and that would be so incredible. Um, you know, I would so appreciate you doing that. That just allows us to reach more and more people each week with a podcast. And then Kevin and I are always on Twitter and we'd encourage you to reach out to us, um, tell us what stood out to you about this interview. Kevin is on Twitter at Kevin K 29, um, Kevin K 29. And I am at mentally underscore strong. So we look forward to hearing from you. And without further ado, let's bring on Kevin.
2: Welcome to the High Performance Mindset, Kevin. I am so jacked up that you're here today for this interview.
0: I know. Me too. It's been a long time coming.
2: It's been a long time coming. So, Kevin, for those people who don't know you, can you tell us a little bit about your passion and what you do?
0: Sure. Well, I have two things here. I'm a professor at UWL, University of Wisconsin Lacrosse, in the Sport Management Program, And I also just launched my my own business on the site called Premier Team Building Solutions where I work with companies and uh, sport teams on how to build culture, uh, leadership, um, how to get everyone on the same page and and, and really have a a shared beliefs of behaviors that everyone um, agrees upon and, and moves in the same direction.
2: Excellent. Kevin, I'm looking forward to learning more from you today about leadership and culture. So just tell us how you got into this area. Let's just start there.
0: My entire background for the past 20 years has been involved in some form of athletics. Um, when I graduated from college, I had a communications degree from Eastern Michigan University. And I started off working in the NFL um, doing internships with the Minnesota Vikings, Chicago White Sox, and Detroit Lions. And so from a very early stage, um, I was always around um, teams. And then after I finished interning, i went on to work for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and for American Red Cross and, and, and World Wrestling Entertainment and the XFL, if you remember the XFL back in the early 2000s. And so I've always been around coaches and players and, and, and teams and, and witnessing team work and being a part of a team, whether it was, um, you know, in the PR department or uh, working with another department. So I, I just really... Um, enjoyed being in that type of an environment. And then when I got into higher education um, teaching, um, I was able to have a position at Central Michigan University as the director of their athletics director leadership development program. And in college athletics, um, leadership is, is a big deal and we're always trying to teach Um, our young student-athletes how to be better leaders and and, and really preparing them for uh, their transition from high school into college and then having them flourish while they're here and then ultimately transitioning out of it. And so being able to uh, work in that capacity really gave me a a different perspective. And from from there, just kind of at the University of Wisconsin-Lacrosse, a year ago I started working with our football staff and just really uh, working with our captains, and teaching them how to uh, what it means for them to lead, and I think a lot of times when you talk to leaders or, or captains, uh, they really uh, couldn't define what leadership is, and, and, and maybe they've gotten to a leadership position because of their skill set, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they have this the skills to actually lead. They just are really good at their discipline um, or their jobs.
2: One of the ways that we have got to know each other is through my work in football. You work in football, so. Just tell us generally about, like, your experience working with a football team there last year. And I like what you said about, you know, what does it mean for you to lead? Tell us how you worked with them and how you helped them develop as leaders.
0: Sure. You know, first, whenever you do something with a team, you always have to be on the same page with the head coach in terms of uh, the head coach has to be open to diverse ways of thinking. And a lot of times... Um, people or coaches do not necessarily put a ton of value into leadership development. They, they may, uh, may um, defer to uh, campus programming that may uh, teach kids how to do that. But uh, last year uh, we decided to des- design a 10-week program um, to really teach the captains um, what, it, what is leadership to them and what are they motivated by. Um, for playing the sport, so one of our first questions we would ask is is what motivates you to play to play football and based off your motivations for why you do what you do um, has a direct uh, link to the outcomes it, it, it relates to your why you know what's your motivation for if you're doing it because it's an extracurricular activity versus you're doing it because you want to compete and in, in, uh, win championships, it's two, it's two different motivations for it. And so really what we wanted to do was tap into their individual personalities. Um, we wanted to have a diverse uh, group of captains who had different personalities, different leadership styles that would um, relate to, you know, a, a program that has more than 100 people um, involved in it. And so each week we just peel back the layers of, of leadership um, individually um, for them, and then we started to instill our core values, and, and last year those core values were um, leadership development, psychology, and communication, and so based off of those four core values, we wanted to have programming um, centered around uh, those four core values, and then once the, the, the captains understood what our core values were, then they were better able to communicate and then hold themselves in their in their units or the the team accountable to it. Uh, Same thing with coaches as well. We trained our coaches uh, because we always wanted to have an open line of communication where the coaches and the captains were always on the same page in terms of how we wanted to lead the program.
2: You know, and Kevin, when I'm speaking to coaches and athletes, I talk about how you're building culture, whether you realize it or not. (laughs) So what what would you say in terms of, for those people who are listening, that our leaders are in a leadership role, coaches, owners, managers, what would you tell us about the importance of intentionally building culture? Why, why is that essential for us to do? Well, when you
0: have an, in, an intentional culture, there's, things get done a lot uh, more efficient. Um, you know, your communication is a lot more clear, you have the same goals, um, your accountability is strong. Um, it's, it's very systematic in terms of um, people are able to flourish in that environment. Versus when you have a culture by default, it's kind of the opposite of that where, um, you know, your communication isn't clear. I mean, trust is usually weak. Um, When you have a good culture, trust is is really um, strong. Uh, but when you don't, I mean, it's weak. If you have tr- trust issues between um, staff and in, in leadership or players and coaches, um, those types of things. Uh, you always hear people talk about in sports about locker room, you know, it's bad for the locker room and, and those types of things. And so if, you, if you're not really disciplined and if you're not really having a culture based on intent, then you, you have to accept what you get, basically, and that's the default part of it.
2: So what would you tell us in terms of, like, what's the most effective culture to create?
0: i say the, the, the best culture that I've noticed between working in sports and even working, you know, at, at the hospital um, would be um, relationships. And really, uh, trust isn't really given to you by your title. It's really given to you by the relationships that you've developed um, with individuals. Um, and people that in um, repeated behavior over time where people um, having a positive experience with you that allows them to trust you and it goes both ways as, as well. so I, I would say trust is a big part of um, creating um, that environment that you want.
2: And how would you tell us in terms of how to create the trust and Kind of relationship
0: should we build? Well, you know, it should be. You know, we always talk about, you know, there's there's three levels of trust. That's what we talk about over here. Um, competence, you know, people want to trust that you know what you're doing. Um, interpersonal relationships, meaning that uh, people uh, want to feel that you care about them beyond what they're hired to do, and then character, you know, just uh, the type of person that you are. Um, you do what you say. Um, you exhibit all those behaviors that um, that make people feel comfortable around you, so if I was to break it down into those three um, components and then it 's over time i mean it 's not like a one shot deal and, and then um, and then people automatically trust you. I mean Trust is such a huge thing in life I mean with relationships outside of work um, with friendships i mean it's it's always we 're always making deposits and we 're always trying to create experiences deep in trust on both sides on both sides it's not a, a one-way street but a two-way street.
2: So Kevin I like your three competence, interpersonal character. You know if if we're listening and we're like yeah we, we needed to work to develop trust a little bit more where would you tell us to start? Is there a place in those three you tell us to start or what would you tell us to do? I would
0: say of the three again it, it begins with um, relationships. I think people follow you based off of relationships that they have with you. Um, people May feel that you're competent just by your. They'll give you the benefit of the doubt just by your title. They may think that you're you're competent, but again, if you don't, have, they don't have a connection to you. They don't have face time with you. They don't feel that you care about them. That's when um, things start to over time. Again, over time, this is when things can go um, go awry, and I've seen that a, a lot of, a lot with um, c- with players and with coaches. When you can, the player can trust that your X's and O's. They know that you're competent. They trust that you're a good man, and and you don't do anything crazy outside of the outside of of, of the field. Uh, but they don't feel like they're connecting with you personally. Maybe you, you they don't feel like you you say hi to them or you uh, learn things about them outside of school or outside of sport. And this is not just in sport too. It's also in um, businesses as well. Or Again, I mentioned the hospital, it's the same thing where, um, you know, if your staff doesn't feel like they're, let's just say you are a high-ranking official and their touch points to you is very limited, um, they may trust your competency, um, but they may not know your character and they may not know you personally as well. So depending on what their relationship is with you could affect how, how much they trust.
2: Yeah, Kevin, you know, when I think about really successful coaches that I've seen and leaders they do show this level of caring. You know, for those of you who are listening who would like to improve in that part, you know, where would you tell us to start and how do we show that we care more often?
0: Well, I think there's some easy things we can do. It's just um, getting outside of our, you know, offices a lot of times or, or getting outside of um, our typical environment. A lot of times if you're a leader, you're, um, maybe you're in meetings all day. You know, and and you don't have a lot of face time with staff. And I would say it's it's part of being intentional. It's where you have to create that time because again, you're either creating the culture or the culture is creating itself. And so when we go back to what we mentioned earlier about discipline, then you have to say, okay, I have to consciously or I have to intentionally make make a point that I want to visit more with my staff. And that could mean a lot of things. It could be you know, I keep mentioning the hospital because I'm a consultant for, for Gunderson Health System, um, but it could be rounding with patient, with, with uh, in your department, or it could be huddles, or in sports it could be um, going out to lunch, or having team activities that don't um, involve um, X's and O's. So there's a lot of things that we can do. We just have to be intentional, and it's different for everyone because everyone's personality is different. And people show how they care differently but I think if you're conscious of it and you're intentional about it then you start to um, create that environment for your for your uh, department
2: so Kevin if I could kind of summarize what you're saying you need to create your culture or the culture creates itself I really like that I think it's a really um, sticky point <laughs> and that the best really work to create the culture they start with relationships And showing people that they
0: care about them right yes when you don't when you allow a culture to create itself uh, again you you really don't you, you don't have it you can't say anything because you didn't do anything to create it you let it happen by default and when by default means good or bad whatever happens happens really within your culture but if you want it to be a certain way built on caring and you know developing people and coaching and mentorship programs with, that you might have within your department. Um, all those things, to me, fall under interpersonal, um, showing that you you are investing um, in this individual and you want to create an environment where that person um, feels comfortable and can put forth their best effort.
2: What do other things, you know, that leaders do in terms of creating a culture?
0: They have clear goals. Um, they have their, co- their core values, things that they believe in. They have behaviors that, um, that they exhibit themselves and that they expect or require in some cases from their staff. Um, they are visionary, and they not only create, um, like let's say, you know, they have their core values and they have their beliefs, but I think what good leaders do is then they equip their staff with all the skill sets they need to meet the standard of their values. So leaders have a standard, and so whatever the standard is, and then they equip their staff or their team with all the essential skill sets they need in order to either meet or exceed that standard. And I think um, leaders who are the good ones are able to do that clear communication, but give you what you need to, to meet or exceed it.
2: Do you have an example that you can provide of just somebody who you think really crushes that?
0: Yeah. You know, again, I'll go back to my client at the Gunderson Health System. Um, you know, we have uh, uh, her core values is, is healthy dialogue, everyone's voice matters, accountability, resilience, and trust. And so the acronym is HEART um, for, for, for that department, for the Finance and Revenue Cycle Department. And there's va- and there's behaviors and outcomes for every core value um, that she has, but she just doesn't say these are my core values and, and this is how you're to behave. But she, you know, has me, you know, working with her staff over seven months uh, to have to equip her her staff with all the skill sets skill sets and the knowledge that they need to meet the standards of heart. And I think that's what. Um, where some fall short is that they want it to be very quick and they don't want it to be uh, they don't want it to be over time. Um, culture is built over time. Default or intentional. It, it just doesn't work because you have someone come in and, and say a couple a you know, couple words that sound trendy without having people do the work over time where it becomes almost like muscle memory, where it becomes it just becomes a habit. And it's the same thing with default. Is that default doesn't happen overnight it's just been these repeated behaviors over time that has created this environment and it's very difficult to get out of it if you're not if you don't you know if you don't have something that changes that momentum
2: yeah excellent Kevin I like what we're talking about in terms of culture and and what good leaders do tell us a little bit about the work that you do in leadership in general can you tell us just Specifically, you know, you've given us an example of the hospital, but when you think about how you help people be be stronger leaders, can you tell us a little bit about that?
0: Yeah, well, I think you know, as a leadership development coach, um, you want to be in tune with what they need and what and what uh, what they believe in. You know, when I work with with Gunderson, it's it's not my beliefs; it's 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 our chief financial officer's beliefs, and it's me. Coaching them to move in a, in the same direction over time with a lot of different skill sets, communication skill sets, standards, accountability metrics, um, outcomes. Everything's in writing. Uh, everything is clear. Everything is uh, intentional. In, in has purpose to it. So if you think you know, we always talk about you know um, our intentional is is. What we do, purpose is why we do it, and our skill is how we're going to do it. And so for every question that someone might have in terms of our intentional behaviors, you already know um, the rationale for why we do what we do.
2: So, Kevin, we've been talking about your work, you know, in football and then in the hospital, and you've had such an incredible amount of experience, you know, the player development coach and staff consultant with the UWL football team, which you've talked about. You know, 11 years in, in public relations at professional sports like the Detroit Lions, the Vikings, the Buccaneers. You know, and now you you have your own company, Premier Team Building Solutions. So, tell us, you know, how how did Premier Team Building Solutions even come up come to be?
0: Yeah, you know, it's um, I've been very fortunate in the sense that I've already you know I had clients before I actually had a company. Um, so, um, when I started to work with UWL football a year ago. Um, I had started to think about it but I didn't know what I didn't know what it would look like or or, or I didn't know a name and all those types of things and so um, I was trying to I'll tell you I was trying to create a partnership with UWL football and Gunderson Health System and because I wanted to be able to um, combine like how does healthcare leadership and sport leadership how they interconnect with one another and I was able to um, present uh, my sport business leadership model to the um, leaders over at Gunderson Health System, their CEO and his executive staff, and, and show them how that model uh, could work in healthcare. And, and really, over time, um, you know, the chief financial officer and I um, had some discussions about doing that with the revenue cycle and finance department, and then what it would look like in terms of training and how long. Um, it would take for me to instill sort of a leadership um, model for uh, the revenue cycle and finance. And that's how really Premier Team Building Solutions um, was launched because then I had a long-term commitment from a um, Gunderson Health System is the largest employer in the La Crosse, Wisconsin area. And, um, and so and I had, a, a like I said, a long-term commitment with them. And so that's sort of how Premier Team Building Solutions was, was launched. I think what's unique about it is that when you think of, you know, well, how does sport leadership um, relate to healthcare leadership? And how does sport leadership relate to finance <laughs> within um, a hospital of leadership? And the question the answer to that is is that great leaders think outside the box. They think differently. They don't think status quo. They don't think that they can't learn from different industries, or they can't learn from different disciplines. And I think that's been the, the really good relationship between uh, myself and, and Gunderson Health System is that we've been able to take our unique skill sets and then combine them together, to make for a really good um, leadership model for them.
2: So, Kevin, can you tell us a little bit about your sport leadership model and uh, tell us how that relates to any area? You know, like you're explaining football, the hospital, but my guess is it it really applies to any kind of leader. So tell us about that. Yeah,
0: for sure. you, You know, again, when you think about any leadership position, whether you're working at a grocery store or you're working at a, Hospital, or you're working for a large corporation, um, what you really want to have is is just um, patterns of beliefs. And you want people that believe in what you believe in and people that enhance what you do. So, um, again, whether you work at the grocery store or you work at a bicycle shop, is that when you, you want a team around you that not um, tries to change your core values, but enhances your core values through their individual personalities. And I think once you understand that, um, then you start to create the momentum. And we use um, physics for our leadership here at Premier Team Building Solutions is that it's, it's just the physics of it, is that you know, if you have more people moving in one direction and you create momentum, think good things are going to happen. It's going to be hard to stop um, that force. As a, and it works the other way, too. I mean, if you have momentum going the other way, it's going to be very difficult to stop something that's um, not going the way that you want it to go. So um, just using um, different, like I said, we use physics. We, um, we want to have clear communication. And then we want people who add value and who can enhance what we already have in place.
2: So, Kevin,
0: tell us a little bit about how you use physics. It's super <laughs> interesting. <laughs> so we, we use the, the formula uh, force equals mass times acceleration, so FMA. And so I'll teach to you how we apply it in, in sports and, and in in healthcare. So if, if you have, you know, uh, you have a fixed number, you, you know, force is the amount of force that it takes to, to cr- uh, create, uh, to move in a certain direction. Uh, And then the M is the mass, which is a fixed number. So it could be 43, it could be 100, it could be 5, whatever that fixed number is. And then you have acceleration. That's how fast something's moving in a direction. So let's say you have, uh, let's just say, you know, if someone's in my office right now and one person is pushing me in one direction with a little bit of resistance, uh, depending on the force that that person uses is going to be difficult for that person to move me in a direction but if that person has 10 people behind him or, or her or 20 people or 30 people behind him or her and they're all forcing me in one direction even with resistance I'm gonna they'll be able to push me through the wall just because of the, the amount of force um, that they would have and so it's the same thing in in leadership, or it's the same thing in in sports or healthcare. If you have whatever the the fixed number is, if everyone's moving in that same direction, it creates momentum. It creates a force that's very difficult to stop. Now, the the flip part of that is is that if you have resistance, and typically in any environment, you're going to initially have some resistance. Let's say. Um, three people are resisting what we're doing. So if we have a fixed number of 43, but only 40 people are, are moving in the same direction, that means we have to work three times as harder to get to max force because our max number is 43, but we only have 40 who's moving in the same direction three who's resisting, we can overcompensate for those three, but we just have to work three times as harder in order to create that max force. And, and again, and now if you have, let's say, 43 and then you have only 33 who is on the same page and you have 10 people are resisting, it's just harder to do. You know what I mean? And so in a sports team or in any type of organization, the more people you have moving in the same direction – the, the, you, you're creating max force for yourself. And when you have people who resist it, um, you have to work to overcompensate for them. And that can make the job more difficult. So the key is to get everyone. And so you can't deny physics. Like, if everyone believes in the same thing and moves in the same direction, it creates a force. And, and that's. You can't deny that. You know. And so typically, when people create cultures, um, they think, well, you, you know what? Uh, or they bring in a leadership development person, oh, well, it'll sort of revert back to the way it was after that person leaves. And, and, the, and the answer to that is, is that's correct. If you have enough people who are resistant to whatever that change is, it will revert back because the force isn't strong enough to change it. But again, if you have physics on your side, then there's no stopping it.
2: Physics on your side is the key. <laughs> and And my guess is, you know, when you think about um, making sure everybody's on the same page and moving in the, in the same direction, tell us what you mean by direction. Do you mean like their goals, or do you mean like the foundation of their values? Tell us what you mean by direction.
0: Yeah. So for direction, it may it's it's the standard, really mm-hmm. it is is the standard of of operation within any organization or any company or any team. It, it's whatever your beliefs are and whatever your values are becomes your standard. And then there's behaviors that you need to exhibit in order to move in that direction. And so um, that can be different for everyone. You know, in sports teams, it could be uh, win more games than we did last year. It could be um, let's compete for a conference championship it could be let's compete for state championship it just depends on the, the in the leader in what um, what that means to them
2: and for those of people who are listening Kevin who are like oh cool this sounds great you know how do I use it what would you what would you tell those who are listening in terms of like What's one or two strategies or tips that you would provide us, you know, just so we can even work to enhance our leadership?
0: Mm-hmm. One, I think you have to be a conscious leader. You know, you have to be, you have to want to um, get better at leadership, almost become a student of leadership. Again, I think most people or some people that's in leadership positions have gotten there because of a skill set. And you train to be a... a a sports psychologist or, you know, you train to be the best leadership culture. you train to be the best professor or you train to be the best athlete. Um, we train to do all these things, but who trains leaders who trains you to be, even in, you know, you know, in other, other industries, you have certifications or recertifications. You're always having to, to get better at something or go back to school for something or take classes for something. Um, but in leadership, um, not, not, many people do. Not many people are disciplined enough to say we need to coach our leaders consistently. You know, it's just not enough to say that you're in a leadership position, so lead. When we, when I work with our captains on our football team, you know, one of the questions we asked them was that, uh, you know, why did you become a leader? Like, how did you become a captain? And they would say, well, you know, because. You know, I I work hard or, you know, I came in early, I left late, and and those are all good traits to have. Um, But sometimes it may mean, hey, I go out there and I select a coin toss or something. Uh, It's it's not really like if you – when I talk to them, you know, they really didn't understand like, yeah, I'm not – I'm doing things that others don't do, but I can't really articulate why I'm a leader. You know what I mean? And so I think – Um, When you become a conscious leader, when you know why you're doing what you're doing, and you know that as a leader, it's not about title, but it's about relationships, and it's about building trust, and it's about creating an environment where people can flourish, um, then I think you start to get better. Then you're you're on the right track after that.
2: So, Kevin, let's talk a little bit about yourself and, and your story can you tell us kind of why you do what you do? You've, you've talked about your why or just the idea of knowing your why and your purpose. So tell us why you do what you do because we, we, we believe here at High Performance Mindset that your why can be a really powerful motivator. Why do you do what you do, Kevin?
0: I enjoy whether I'm teaching um, students, you know, whether it's sport management program students or teaching hospital administrators or teaching coaches or student-athletes. Um, I enjoy um, seeing people accomplish what they want to accomplish, and I enjoy helping getting people on the right track to moving and going in a direction that they see fit. And a lot of times, their intentions are good, uh, but they just don't know how. And and for me, it's very rewarding to, to show them how and give them a roadmap and then be encouraging for them and be a support system for them and watch them do put in the effort and put in the work individually and collectively to get better. And it's not about me or what I've done. It's just me taking a step back and saying, wow, look what all the, they did the work you know, they put in the time, they put in the effort. Um, they were, they were comfortable being uncomfortable. They put themselves in positions to get better. And now they're, and now they're, on the, you know, on the right direction and on their way. And I think right. for me, um, as, as a teacher, um, I, I really take pride in that, and I love to see people accomplish goals that they set forth themselves.
2: You know, Kevin, we think here at the High Performance Mindset that having a growth mindset is uh, one of the ways to enable success and reach, you know, kind of your your own standard of excellence. Tell us about a time that you failed, and uh, tell us what you learned from it so we something from your failures? Oh
0: gosh, you know, I have to go back to when I was uh, 17 or 18 years old and uh, I think it, you know, it was, at the time it was devastating, but looking back it it really set the foundation for me. Uh, I was gonna, I had a a division one football scholarship um, that I had had accepted to play um, football at a university and the only thing I had to do was pass my ACT <laughs> and and I took that thing I don't know how many times and I, I got a, I, I was one point short of the standard requirement and and I didn't end up getting the scholarship because of it and you know for a long time it haunted me because I was like you know uh, I lost out on an opportunity because I wasn't prepared or at least that's what I was how I felt at the time and i didn't ever want to lose out on an opportunity because i wasn't prepared. now just cuz i'm prepared doesn't guarantee that i'm going to get every opportunity that, that comes my way in life, but it taught me that i can better live with the results if i know that i'm prepared and i put for my put forth my best effort and if i don't succeed, i'll learn from it, but i won't keep i'll keep trying. And if I do succeed, um, it's because I know I put in the work. And I would say that sort of has stuck with me over time and, and really has made my motivation and my work ethic and discipline a lot stronger.
2: And, and you think about your success. I mean, college professor, owner of Premier Team Building Solutions, <laughs> you know, worked in so many different pro sports. It's cool how you, you use that to fuel you.
0: Yeah, I, and I think if you can find... Um, strength and failure, or you can find opportunity in failure. Um, that it can work, it can work for you. It can work against you. And I think the really good ones, uh, disciplined leaders, and just individuals in general, um, really know how to take negatives and, and turn them into, to fuel them into, few them into positives to do better. Um, others will take negatives, and it, and it may just take them to, totally in a different direction as well. But I think if you can figure out a way to uh, make those failures into successes, um, you'll be better for it.
2: Yeah, I completely agree. And I think so many times, like, our knee-jerk reaction is just to take it personally or take our failure and take it to heart. You know, that, you know, because we failed, we are we are a failure. But what you're saying is that the best do is they are, they're always looking for the opportunity and the difficulty.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, we can't guarantee – life doesn't guarantee us anything. But again, I feel like I'm better better off, I can live with the results of the outcome knowing that I put forth and did my part and put forth the effort and energy and time into something.
2: Kevin, can you tell us about an aha moment that you had? You know, just a light bulb that went off in terms of, you know, a learning moment for you maybe about culture or leadership?
0: Well, I tell you, you know, one of the aha moments for me was I never aspired to teach when, when I was in college um, I wanted to be a spokesperson in the NFL like I wanted to be a spokesperson for a team and I never thought I would ever teach college for sure um, never thought that I would be a leadership coach and all these things that I'm experiencing 20 years later I, I never they weren't in my plans 20 years ago and I think the aha moment for me was is that um, as you move through your life and move through your career, if you're open to different opportunities, if you're open to get outside of your comfort zone, and for me it was to get in front of college students and teach them something that I had been doing for 10 years at the time, um, that there's a lot of things that life can show you that you can't or that I couldn't, physically see or I couldn't even dream up myself like it wasn't in my mental capacity to dream it because I couldn't see it and really when you're open to things and you're okay putting yourself in uncomfortable situations life can show you more than what you can conceptualize in your own head and so I think that was a that was an aha moment for me.
2: So let's go to the top 10 traits of high performers Kevin and so I know you have that in front of you which of these do you think that strong leaders exhibit the most like which trait of those top 10 traits of high performers do you think most leads to being a strong leader
0: I think the strong leaders fall into number seven they're comfortable being uncomfortable and I'll tell you what I like, because I, I, I like this for myself too. It's easier said than done, by the way, and I think that's why, uh, really good leaders are able to do it, because it's not easy. Sometimes you have to intentionally put yourself in uncomfortable situations. Sometimes situations don't put you in uncomfortable situations. You put yourself in uncomfortable situations to grow. So you become intentional in, in your purpose for doing something. A lot of people aren't good at that, or a lot of people don't want to initiate that uncomfortableness because they don't know uh, how they're going to react to it or they don't know how they're going to respond to it. So I would say number seven, um, they are comfortable being uncomfortable.
2: And then which one of those traits do you see the people that you work with struggle the most?
0: Uh, Controlling the controllables is probably the most because in leadership positions, people uh, tend to want to control a lot of things or at least feel that they have to control a lot of things. And yeah. you know, con- controlling controllables is—it's a cliché-ish term, but requires a lot of practice and discipline in order to execute it. If you can become really good at controlling the controllables, then I think you're you're well on your way to being a, a high performer. Um, it's just not easy doing that, and it takes a lot of practice. To every situation, you almost have to take a step back and say. Okay, what part of this situation can I control, and then control that part of it and let the other part go. Um, that's disciplined behavior. Um, when you do the opposite, it's it's default, and it's you know it's it's uh, you know you're just uh, being impulsive a lot of times um, to events that it
2: may happen to you. That's true. I like what you're saying in terms of just taking a step back, asking yourself like, what can I control. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And and usually it's just like your attitude and your effort and your preparation and then dominating that. Mm -hmm, mm
0: -hmm. But, again, that takes practice. It takes takes discipline. And it takes a lot of self-awareness. And it takes not being impulsive because typically we respond quickly to things that are happening throughout the day. And sometimes to take a moment or take a pause or take a step back and just say, okay, what can I control in this particular situation, it's not easy to do. Um, but again, you can be disciplined about it, I think, then you have, you know, the best choices will be available to you (laughs) of how to handle that situation.
2: So, Kevin, let's go to the speed round. Tell us the first thing that comes to mind. So, if you could recommend a book or a resource for the audience, what would it be and why did you choose that?
0: You know, the the most recent book I read was um, Above the Line by um, Urban Meyer. You know, I, I read that book and, and, you know, I, I like it because as a leadership coach, um, especially when you're talking about culture and teams and these types of environments, you're trying to create sustainability over time. And when you don't have a system in place, I think typically you start to default back to um, bad behaviors and, and bad ways of doing things. And so I like how that book was able to uh, really show or teach uh, readers how to sustain culture.
2: Above the Line by Urban Meyer. And what's the best advice you've ever received?
0: You know, if you ever heard of the, the quote, I think it's Mark Twain, he said, um, you know, if you find your passion, uh, you know, you'll never work a day in your life or you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. And I can say that, honestly, with the exception of maybe one or two jobs in my career, um, I've never had a job I didn't like and I don't feel like what I'm doing is work and I feel fortunate because you know you know that feeling when you're when you're in the right space you know exactly what that quote means when you're not in that space you you're trying to get there because you won't work you know this isn't work to me I mean I come in and, and every single day and, and really love
2: what I do that's how I feel too Kevin sometimes I'm like just pinch me. <laughs> like, is this really my job? Saturday, I was on the sidelines of a football game, and I was like, "This is the best job in the world." Yep. You know, you're right when you know when you got it because it just doesn't feel like work, and it just fuels your whole body. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and I want others to have that experience as well. I think too, you know, leaders aren't selfish either. You know, I mean, they don't they don't hold on to things that work they want to share it they want others to they want to empower people Um, they want to uh, put people in positions where they can experience um, their dreams and they can experience their goals and I think really good leaders are not selfish leaders they don't just try to say well you know what I had to work my tail off to get here so you know you have to do the same thing I think they identify that you know what um, I was helped along the way. I recognize that there were some people that opened doors for me to get to where I'm at today, and I want to do the same thing. And I think that's that's what I try to do in, in my practice.
2: Is there a phrase or a quote besides the one that you mentioned that you live by?
0: You know, it's, it's not, I'll tell you, it's one of my, um, my, the guy who hired me at the Minnesota Vikings when I was an intern um, Jeff Robinson, he just, he told me this one thing that has stuck with me for 20 years. He says that, um, we're going to help you, but when you get to a position to help somebody else, you have to give back. And that's, and that's part of this deal. And I've never forgotten that. And every, throughout the course of my career, I've always helped others or, or you know, reached back and, and gave someone a break or an opportunity or, or, or mentored them because I know I saw the benefit that it had or the impact it had in my life, and and I want that, that person to experience it, is that as well.
2: So, Kevin, as we wrap up the interview, what's a, some final advice you'd give to those high performers who are listening? And by high performance, I mean those people who are working to reach their greater potential and are are being conscious leaders and conscious of their thoughts and being disciplined with their thoughts.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, I would say that it's it's just an ongoing process. Like it never it never ends because your values and beliefs shouldn't have an end date. You, you know, just like your culture. Like you don't you know you don't reach your culture and say, ah, oh, you know what, this is it. You know, what I mean, you're you're always adapting and adjusting and and learning more and improving. And I think as long as you just stay in that space where this is this is I'll do this is how I am for as long as I'm working this is how it's going to be and you don't worry about the end point and you don't worry about like I'm there yet because quite honestly we're, we're never there and when we think we're there life has a way of showing us that we're not <laughs> <laughs>
2: So, Kevin, how would you recommend that we reach out to you?
0: Sure. So you can – I'm on Twitter at, at Kevin K29, KevinK29, K-V-I-N-K-29. Or you can email me at KevinLKing29 at gmail.com.
2: All right. Excellent. And if what would be awesome is if we could start a conversation on Twitter. Tell us. Myself, my handle is at mentally underscore strong. Kevin's again is Kevin K29. Tell us what stood out to you about this interview, what you got from Kevin, and what you're going to utilize in your life and in your leadership. And, Kevin, I want to summarize to you what stood out to me because I just am so grateful for your time. I'm grateful that you spent the last almost hour talking to us about leadership and culture. And what I really found meaningful is the three levels of leadership that you talked about competence, interpersonal, and character. And that creating your culture is intentional, right? You're you're always creating your culture or or the culture is creating itself and you get to decide if you're going to be intentional with that culture. Mm -hmm. You also talked about how great leaders think outside the box. They're comfortable being uncomfortable and they think outside the status quo. And then one of the the sticky points that you provided to us is that the best are, are conscious leaders. And uh, they're a student of their leadership. They just don't let things happen by chance, but they're intentional with thinking about how they lead and then being intentional with their actions. And I loved our conversation about control the controllables. (laughs) I completely agree with what you said in that, you know, it requires discipline and you're well on your way to be a high performer if you can work to control the controllables. And your advice of just like taking a, a step back and, and thinking about what you can control in the situation, but it's a it's a trait that's developed over time. It's not something that, you know, uh, you you can be a master at right away. But you have to consciously work to control the controllables, which takes self awareness and likely isn't our default reaction. <laughs> so, Kevin, I just want to thank you so much for your time and your energy and your insight and helping us be high performers today.
0: No, thanks for having me, Cesar. It's always a pleasure talking to you about this stuff and, and i look forward to our future conversations
2: awesome kevin make it an outstanding day
1: thank you for listening to high performance mindset if you like today's podcast make a comment share it with a friend and join the conversation on twitter at mentally underscore strong for more inspiration and to receive Syndra's free weekly videos check out drsyndra.com.